0: The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them, Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them. Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we're celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration, and actually in the Eastern Church... This is a massive feast that the East kind of gets a little bit better than we do in the West. And so, when I say the East, what I mean is the Catholic Church is made of 24 different rites. We're a part of the Roman rite, or the Latin rite, you might call it. And so, that's what we're used to in the United States. Those are the, the, the churches that we're very accustomed to. But there's a bunch of different churches as well. And 22 out of the 24 other branches of the church are Eastern. And if you've ever been to an Orthodox church, like a Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox church, um, that's kind of a flavor for what our Eastern churches are like. And so you'd walk into one of those churches, as I'm sure many of us in this room have. My whole side of the family, one side is Orthodox, uh, Greek Orthodox. And you walk in, and there's these, there's these beautiful churches. They look different, generally, than the churches we're used to in the West. And they have icons everywhere. And these icons are very beautiful. And one of the main icons that you'll see is the icon of the Transfiguration. The icon of the Transfiguration. And this is a huge, huge emphasis For the Eastern Church, because the Eastern Church gets something, this concept that I'm going to talk about in today's homily, that we maybe don't get as clearly, or we don't emphasize as much in the Western Church, but it should be just as important for us. And that concept is called divinization, or theosis. The early church fathers talked about this concept, and then throughout our tradition, God became man so that man could become God. God became man so that man could become God. What that means is, we don't believe, as many other religions do, and this is one way we are very, very, very different than other religions. We believe something happens to us at our baptism. Something inside of us changes That God actually comes, just like he did on Pentecost, Like the fire of the Holy Spirit is the image that's given to us in the Acts of the Apostles, that God himself comes to dwell in us at the moment of our baptism and then stays with us until our death. And it's our job to allow God to grow that fire and to not get in the way and to not let that fire dampen, blow out, or go away in any way. We want to allow God to continue to brighten and make that little flame that starts at our baptism a massive fire that spreads throughout the world. Divinization. The difference here, again, between us and other religions is we don't see Jesus as a figure to emulate and follow with, as though he were kind of like another figure in history we think that change comes from the inside out rather than the outside i'm seeing this i'm acting it out um, somebody mentioned to me uh, yesterday very cute example of their grandkids who would uh, play saint mary's they, they play saint mary's church and so they're like acting out you know like what the priest does or what different people do And is, you know, it's very adorable when we see our kids do this kind of stuff. They play out and they act out these roles that they see adults doing. Um, And so this is different than that concept. This is, so instead of imitation by example, wow, Jesus did this, so I'm going to really try to do this even harder, you know, like each and every day. We actually believe in the church that Jesus is the one who does that to us. Inside out. We follow Jesus, and Jesus does the work inside of us to make us more like him. And so this idea is that in the church, we want, and we do have, a bunch of little Jesuses. A bunch of little Jesuses. And so Peter, James, and John are brought up to the mountain in today's Transfiguration. And we get this this nice image of the, of the story of the transfiguration from the perspective of Matthew who is one of the twelve and it's he kind of goes through it but we also get a perspective of it in our second reading which is kind of interesting and it's coming from Peter himself so this is Peter 20 years or whenever it is down the road from when this original event of the transfiguration actually took place when he was there and he's talking about this now he's, Peter's in a whole different position. We know all the foibles of Peter if we pay attention to the Gospels. Peter's just kind of a mess, right? And Matthew, Mark, Luke, especially, and John as well. Peter's just kind of a mess. Of, he's just kind of a mess of a human being. He's always screwing up. He's always making mistakes. He's always saying dumb things and doing dumb things. But in the process of a 20-year friendship with Jesus, on the back end of that, which looks more like, so after Jesus ascended into heaven, it looks more like the friendship that we have with Jesus, where he's not bodily present, where Jesus is dwelling interiorly in Peter. Peter's a different man. He's become another Jesus. And he is this Jesus figure as a bishop, the first bishop of Rome and the first pope. Rome, And so we get this letter that he writes to his congregation in Rome. And this is a part of it where he's speaking about his experience of the transfiguration. He's been divinized by this point. He is being divinized. And he is clearly spreading the gospel. And he is a powerful force in the church. And people are attracted to Peter as they were attracted to Jesus. Because Peter's had 20 years of friendship and pursuing and following Jesus. And so Jesus has done the work of making Peter more like him during the course of this time. Here's Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that God became man. We weren't making this up. We were there. I was with him for three years. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father. We know the honor and glory from God the Father just from this reading. Because when the cloud descends, we hear the cloud. It says, this is my beloved son. Which presupposes the voice saying it is the father. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come down from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. The message, the prophetic message that we give to you is altogether reliable Peter's trying to add credibility because Peter is teaching controversial things as the Bishop of Rome that not everybody necessarily is, is open to hearing I was with him I have the authority this is what he taught again this is about friendship with Jesus And then, so you say, okay, simple enough, Father, friendship with Jesus. But what is friendship with Jesus? Because I bet if I asked a hundred different people, you might get a hundred different answers to that question. Friendship with Jesus is friendship with God. Is Jesus actually says what it is? He says it in John's Gospel. He says, "I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you slaves." I call you friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus asks us to be humble and to be friends with him in the way that Jesus gives us as being friends with him. Jesus is the one who teaches us how to be in relationship with him. We we can get into this place as human beings, which we probably do, most of us, uh, speaking for myself, certainly, where we can rationalize, right? We rationalize things. We, we rationalize things that we don't really want to take in, even if we know it's maybe something we should be doing, or whatever the case may be in various aspects and areas of life. And so we, we can very often, as does happen in the modern world, we rationalize our, oh, no, I'm really good with God. I'm, I'm in a really great place with my relationship with Jesus, with God, et cetera, et cetera. And what that means is oftentimes for people is I'm living this relationship according to how I want to live it, not necessarily how Jesus has given us to live this relationship. I like this particular teaching. I don't like that particular teaching. Uh, I, I can go to, you know, I go to mass most of the time. I, you know, I, it, you know I, I'm good with God. I don't really need to go to confession that often. Um, And so we rationalize. And if we want this process of divinization to take place, where we become powerful, powerful evangelists, where people start coming into the church and want God, through our presence, through our persons, we have to be humble. And we, we have to be obedient to Jesus and his church, of course, obviously. This is not super, it's not really, it's not really that complicated. That's what Peter's saying here. That's what happens in the process of divinization. And, and, and we don't have to, like if we're trying to get our kids and our grandkids to practice the faith, and they're falling away, or our friends, and we desire for them to be a part of this beautiful thing, you know, that is the church that we all know the beauty. We don't have to be super clever. We don't. There's nothing we're really going to be able to do to get people back into the church other than what I'm speaking about in this homily right now, which is allowing Jesus to transform us through his own friendship, through our own personal holiness. And then it's not difficult at all to get people to come into the church because God is the one doing the work. And when people see God, they are attracted to God, and they want it. And if they see God in us, and again, we can't make that happen by trying to imitate. Jesus does that work. Us following him, he does that. He turns us into himself over time. And you might say, okay, that's a really cool um, uh, 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 kind of like theory of of how you grow in holiness or concept of friendship with God, whatever, um, sounds great, sounds very poetic, but it's just not that realistic. I would never see myself, and this is what we might be thinking right now, I could never really see myself, Jesus basically being such, so dwelling in me that I am a little Jesus in the world. And what I would say, what I would argue back to that objection would be, well, we actually have thousands of examples of people who do such a thing and make such a massive impact that they change whole societies. We call those people the saints. And we have historical documentation. Some of them even live in our own lifetime. Mother, easy modern ones. Mother Teresa, John Paul II, and two days ago we celebrated the feast day of St. John Vianney. These are little, little Jesuses. And people are drawn to them as though they were Jesus himself. St. John Vianney, one of my favorite saints. He's the patron saint of priests and his feast day was this past Friday. St. John Vianney. Unbelievable story. Incredible story. This guy grows up, he's in this he's grows up in France in like a time that is not all that dissimilar to our own a worse, worse time for Christianity than our own. At his time, the French Revolution had just taken place right around the time of his birth, and it's this time of religious persecution in France. You have thousands of of, uh, religious sisters and priests getting their heads taken off, chopped off, on the guillotine. This is the time of the guillotine. Just for being priests and religious sisters who Follow the church, big time of persecution, and any many many devout Catholic lay people dying as well, and so the the sacraments are banned at this time in France, um, and so Saint Jean Béni when he's a little guy, he's receiving his first Holy Communion. He actually received his first Holy Communion in his neighbor's house with a priest who was kind of sneaking around with blankets and towels over the windows so that they so that. They wouldn't get arrested um, because there were because of the candles for Mass that were lit for Mass. So anyways, John Vianney grows up. He has a desire to become a priest. The Lord calls him to the priesthood. He gets sent to this small town called Ars, France. Ars, France, with an A. And this little town, is there's about 225 people. It's kind of a farm town. He gets lost on the way when, he, when he's sent there. And the people in this town, just like most of France, don't really know anything about the faith. People don't practice. There's about a dozen people going to Sunday Mass. Um, It's just kind of, and what people do on Sundays, and at this time is, in ours is, they go out to these bars. There's like a ton, there's one church, but there's like a ton of bars, little taverns. And so people have these like dancing, where they're out dancing all night, Um, Morals are not very good. There's tons of um, children born out of wedlock. There's tons of um, fights and all all sorts of stuff going on. And people don't come to church. And so when John Vianney gets sent to the town of Ars, he walks in, he kisses the ground in Ars, and he kisses the ground because he says, this is where heaven is going to break in. And he just has such a faith in God that God is going to do so much good and bring so many people to heaven in this town. And so by the end of St. John Vianney's time, when he, he spent his whole life in this one church, by the, by the end of his time there, there about, by the beginning, there's about a dozen people going to Mass on Sundays. By the end of his life, towards the end of his life, there were literally 20,000 people coming into that town a year. Just to hear him speak about Jesus, and to have them hear, to have Saint John Vianney hear their confession. People would wait days and camp out around the church just to have him hear their confession. They built train tracks to get to this place, and it was the biggest pilgrimage site in Europe. This is the power of Jesus. this is the power of Jesus. This is very real. God can do this with us. Lord, we ask you to divinize us, to help us to grow in friendship with you, to be humble and allow you to do that work inside of us. We have faith in you. Thank you for the example of the the saints throughout history who have showed us the reality that you do continue to dwell on earth in our very persons by virtue of our baptism and the sacraments. Please increase the fire in in our, our parish, Lord. Please help the fire to grow to the greater Minooka area. Help us to be a people who are on fire with love of you and love of neighbor. And allow this place, Lord, to be a place where Thousands of people are attracted and find God here, Lord, through us, through our, our, our congregation, our parish. Help us to be humble. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And let us take a few minutes in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.